All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Monday. A busy weekend of news and a busy Monday of news. Just a little bit ago, Special Counsel Jack Smith asked the United States Supreme Court to rule on whether former President Donald Trump can be prosecuted on charges that he allegedly worked to overturn the 2020 election results. The judge in that case says he can, but the Trump campaign plans to go to a federal appeals court, and then that would take us all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Jack Smith, well, he wants to go right to the Supreme Court. Now, the earliest the Supreme Court could even consider the case would be early next year, January 5th, because that's when the next private conference for accepting cases is slated for. So absent emergency petition, it will be early next year before we know whether the justices, the nine justices get involved. But that is a big case. It could have a profound effect on the 2024 election, a profound effect on the courts, and of course, a profound effect on Jack Smith's case. Now, over the weekend, there was also some pretty big fallout. The University of Pennsylvania president, she resigned after taking tremendous criticism for failing to fully repudiate anti-Semitism on her campus. Liz McGill stepped down under enormous pressure after a $100 million gift had been pulled from the university and a lot of other questions came about. Now, while that's going on, the Harvard president, Claudine Gay, is facing similar questions. Not only is there a question about her answers and her approach to fighting anti-Semitism on the campus, there's also a question from some people about whether or not she plagiarized some information from something she wrote. That is increasing the pressure on her to resign as well. And that is two major universities in the middle of this anti-Semitism debate, both having fallout from the last few days. Now, we've got a great show to pick up on this very topic. Monica Crowley, former advisor to President Trump, former assistant secretary of the Treasury Department. Before that, a great Fox News and Washington Times columnist. And before that, an advisor to President Richard Nixon late in his life after he had left the presidency. She's going to join us. She'll weigh on on this and so much more, including the rising national debt and its aiders and abettors in Congress. That's always a great conversation. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to have Ilya Shapiro. He just wrote a great op-ed over the weekend looking at where the line is between free speech on campus and when it becomes conduct that can be regulated as threatening. And he really put a lot of thought into this. I think it's one of the smarter columns that I've seen done on this and the difference between speech and action. A really great debate. He, of course, joins us from the Manhattan Institute, where he does a lot of great work, one of the most published and respected academics there. So that is our show today. Monica Crowley, Ilya Shapiro, back-to-back. A lot of talk about anti-Semitism on college campuses, but we'll also hit the economy and so much other important stuff. Now, before we go, a quick reminder, we're just a few weeks away from Christmas. I do have a holiday guide out there on Just the News. It puts together all of the best offers from all of our partners, our sponsors, and our advertisers. So we've got you covered. All you got to do is go to justthenews.com and click on the holiday page. You're going to find gifts for everyone on your list or maybe something for yourself. Thanks to our sponsors from EnviroCleanse, the muzzle stick, heat holders, and so many more. 
You'll get amazing deals that are for our listeners only. So don't stress. Beat the lines this holiday season. Go right to justthenews.com and click on the holiday page to get your shopping done. All right. When we come back, Monica Crowley up next. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back to the commercial break. Very excited to kick off the show today with this next guest. She's one of my best friends. Also, one of the most brilliant minds in all of America, former assistant secretary to the U.S. Treasury and host of my favorite podcast, the Monica Crowley podcast. It is Monica Crowley. Monica, good to have you back on. Hey, John, it's great to be back with you. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to have you on. We love all the work you do. Love your show. I wanted to start with this weekend because there was some pretty dramatic fallout from uh, what's really been a five, 10 year problem on college campuses, anti-Semitism. But the UPenn president, Liz McGill, ousted over the weekend. A second university leader who testified alongside Liz McGill uh, is also in trouble at Harvard. Uh, is this a moment of reckoning long awaiting? Yeah, I really think it is. And I think it's really the tip of the iceberg. You know, there should be real ramifications for these individuals who sit atop our most elite institutions, not just in America, but the world. We're talking about Harvard. We're talking about the University of Pennsylvania. We're talking about MIT. But really all of them have been so deeply infected by radicalism for decades now, John, right? So, for, for anybody just now paying attention to this kind of raging anti-Semitism, you need to know that all of this has been going on for a very long time. The infection of Marxism, economic Marxism, political Marxism, cultural Marxism, this has been on the march in America for almost a century, really since the Russian Revolution began and yeah. the Kremlin decided that they needed to conquer the world. And the way they were going to do that was really by, by taking out the number one obstacle, which is the United States. This has been ongoing since the 1930s in America, where they have infiltrated our major institutions, including the entire academic world. They started at the university level, and now it goes all the way down to kindergarten. 
So this didn't just materialize out of thin air. The system that produced a Harvard president, Claudine Gay, or a Penn president, Liz McGill, who just stepped down over the weekend, this system has been deeply corrupted and infected with Marxism and anti-Semitism for a long time. So here is the challenge, Sean. Yes, this has been coming for a long time. McGill, I'm glad to have her scalp. I hope Claudine Gay and so many others go down in this wave as well. And and the fact that this anti-Semitism has always been there percolating under the surface, surface is deeply, deeply disturbing. But the problem here, John, is that all of these institutions all the way down are deeply infected. So they can swap out Liz McGill for another anti-Semitic communist woke nightmare at Penn, and you're going to have the same problem. We face a a very big challenge here in, in essentially fumigating all of these institutions from the top down. You know, these anti-Semites are like bugs. You know, you step on one and there are 10 more where that came from. So this is going to require a major, major overhaul. And people like Bill Ackman, the hedge fund guy, and so many others who have pulled big money out of these institutions, that's what's gotten their attention, the money. Not the actual principle of being a raging anti-Semite, but the fact that Penn lost a $100 million gift. That's what gets their attention. Frankly, I don't even care what gets their attention as long as the attention is sustained over a period of time. And that's, we require all hands on deck for that. Yeah, right. It would be easy to take a couple scalps and, t- and, and then say, let's go back to life as normal, but we can't, right? This hatred and intolerance has been festering for so long, and, and this is a moment to really uh, eradicate it in a large way. I mean, anyone who supports Hamas is supporting hate. Anyone who supports Hamas is supporting testimony, uh, t- uh, is uh, supporting terrorism, and uh, there can't be a moment now where you take the foot off the gas pedal. I think all of us who are fighting for uh, to eradicate this hate, this this is a moment where you have to double down. Even even as some of these resignations come, do you see that energy still there? That people realize now that this is a rare moment to fight back and to uh, really get rid of a a series of sentiments that are poisoning our children's minds. Yes, absolutely. Because you know it's being brought to a really big donor's attention, like like a Bill Ackman, like a Leon Cooperman who, you know, are appropriately outraged by this kind of rampant anti-Semitism, they seem shocked at the at not just that, but the overall anti-Semitism, uh, overall, I should say, uh, rampant activism and radicalism on these college campuses, to which we, John, say, well, where have you been for the last, right. you know, many decades? Where have you been? Yeah. So, this anti-Semitism has focused their attention and their minds on that particular issue, but they're also being awakened to all of this other Marxism and, and other forms of radicalism, the cesspool of hatred going on on these campuses, and now they're starting to see it in other directions. That is a very good sign. Um, and I think now is the opportunity for people like us, John, who report on the news, comment on the news, to focus everybody's attention on not just the anti-Semitism, but the lack of free speech against conservatives and so many others, the, the communism that is being taught, the indoctrination that's going on. This is our moment to really open the floodgates to the general public about what's gone, gone on here. You know, it's similar to what happened during COVID, where parents weren't aware of what their K through uh, 12 students and children were being taught, and then COVID had them locked in the house, and parents were suddenly aware of the yeah, you're teaching my kid what? Going on. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So I think at the university level, this is opening a lot of eyes, and now it's our time to strike. Yeah, there's no doubt. This is a moment where you can we can make some lasting change for the better if we do it. And we could just get universities to go back to what they used to be good at, which was research and, and learning. That would be great instead of all this political indoctrination that seems to have become the, uh, the leading edge of their, uh, at least the elite universities' um, uh, focus. And it's really remarkable. I want to turn just to a second for to the um, budget, because in America – 
every year we've kind of kicked this can down the road. And uh, really since the mid 2000s, only 20 years ago, we have added the vast majority of American debt, American debt for our entire country's history, about 25 to 28 trillion dollars just in the last two decades. Some familiar faces there during that whole time, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, perhaps the queen and, and king of debt uh, based on their tenure and, and the growth of it. Uh, Joe Biden clearly there for nearly all of the accumulation of the debt. Uh, are we at a moment where Americans are ready to make this an issue in the election saying no more debt? We're now we're now hanging a millstone around our great grandchildren. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the unit party is guilty. So people on both sides, obviously, Democrats and the left are huge, huge spenders. But we have had plenty of big spenders on our side as well over the years, which got us to this point. Nobody is willing to stand up and say no. I mean, a few, a few. But, you know, you get into office and you realize you can vote yourself a raise out of the U.S. Treasury and give away huge favors to people in your district and state in order to get reelected. The entire system becomes deeply corrupt. And this is why we're closing in on $34 trillion in debt. And this year, probably going to run an annual deficit, John, of about $2 trillion. So, look, we got to put the brakes on this. And if we don't, the laws of economics are hard and fast. So the laws of economics are going to kick in here in pretty short order and force the decisions for us. And this is not going to be a pretty sight. The ramifications of, you know, hitting this debt wall are going to be atrocious for everybody in America. So, um, you know, the, the choice is going to have to be made soon. And, yeah, it's going to be painful because everybody's been drunk on big spending for a long time. Yeah. But I think as an issue, you know, you're talking about it at Just the News. I'm talking about it on the Monica Crowley podcast, Steve Bannon on War Room. I mean, we're all directly speaking to this issue, putting the pressure on our elected representatives to put the brakes on this. And that means putting the pressure on the news speaker, Mike Johnson, who, you know, there's a lot of talk about about a continuing CR in January for another year, get Can us through the election it? so we don't have to make hard choices. No, no, we're in an emergency now. Yeah, it, it is extraordinary that that conversation would even bubble up, given the fact that Speaker Mike Johnson actually got his job because of a CR. It's just remarkable that uh, that it would still be staying, hanging around. And you're right, Roger Taylor Green told us last week that it's very much on the table right now, which I think is uh, is really remarkable. Um, tomorrow, uh, President Zelensky from Ukraine will be here. He'll meet with Mike Johnson. He'll be meeting with um, the president and others. Um, I think there is a stark message that Republicans can de- can deliver to um, the Ukrainian president. And there's also what could be a gesture the Ukrainian president could deliver, I suspect, the Republicans by maybe going down to the border and seeing the crisis that afflicts our country. What do you think comes of tomorrow's visit? Well, it's going to be, <laughs> I mean, Zelensky is coming to put the screws to our Congress. And by the way, he's also addressing the U.S. military today right. or tomorrow as well, which is equally as horrifying. He needs money. And the cash is drying up. He is horrified by that. But we, we as the American taxpayer, have sunk nearly $200 billion into this enterprise. And all it has proven, and, and Ukraine is clearly, clearly losing this battle, um, and all it's gotten us is a giant money laundering operation for the globalist elite. Yeah. They have enriched themselves at the expense of the American taxpayer, at the expense of driving our debt further into the ground, all for money launder, laundering operations so Zelensky's wife can go shopping in Paris. I mean, I'm sorry, but that has been the absolute truth. All of the money, all of the weapons that we have sent, there has been zero accountability for any of it. We have not accounted for or audited a single dime that has gone over there. So it's been a huge slush fund. And Time Magazine, to their credit, a couple of months ago, I guess, yeah. did a whole expose on this where they you did. had top Ukrainian officials saying this has been a giant slush fund for everybody. And, and it's deeply corrupt. So, no, no more money for Zelensky so his wife can go to Chanel in Paris. No more weapons going <laughs> until, A, we've got a full accounting of everything that we've already sent, and, B, uh, a real plan for going ahead. Where is this money and where are these weapons going to go? 
and, and, you know, before we commit to anything. So I say not a single dime or a single gun um, or a single bullet going to Ukraine until we've got a full accounting. I see a lot of heads in our audience probably nodding right now. They couldn't agree more with you. The clarity of your uh, your vision is, is so there. Um, your, our, your old boss is somebody who is rising in the polls, uh, perhaps in historic fashion. In fact, today, Donald Trump up 50, uh, at 51% in the Iowa caucus poll, the highest any candidate in the history of uh, a caucuses has ever scored in that uh, poll. He's also up in Michigan and in Georgia and nationally against Joe Biden. Uh, when you look out, what is the phenomenon that keeps Donald Trump so popular, even as Democrats and their machinery take, take so much time to try to take him down? Yeah, you know, I was blessed to have seen the president on Friday at Mar-a-Lago. We spent some time together. He's in great shape. He is in a great mood. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it physically, emotionally, politically, the rest. He's a superman. Um, but I think the deep state, the uni party, military industrial complex, the propaganda press, they cannot believe that this man is still standing. And not just standing, but thriving, as you say, leading in most, if not all of the polls, nationally, state by state, and so on. They have thrown the kitchen sink at this man since he really started gaining traction in late 2015, so almost eight years now. They have thrown everything at him, and they cannot believe that he is uh, still upright and thriving. Um, so expect this next year to be pretty horrible because when you think at what they threw at him in 2020 from a crazy virus to the shutdown of the economy to burning down the country with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, rigging the election, January 6th, the whole slate to stop him and the America First agenda, we can only imagine what next year is going to be. Um, so brace for that. But Donald Trump really is a phenomenon, and he is leading a movement there is not a single other Republican, and they're all very accomplished leaders and very talented, but none of them are leading a movement. This is America first. This is a movement that Donald Trump uh, founded and is riding the wave and embodies and symbolizes. So he's got a deep emotional bond with the voters, and that is something that is absolutely impossible for anybody else to overcome. One last question for you, Monica. I wanted to uh, look out, when you look out past the primaries, it looks like the president, probably former president, has uh, the primaries in pretty good shape. He gains uh, the nomination early. The trials are being thrown at him. There'll be more media uh, furor trying to paint him as an extremist. That's been the new thing this past week. He's a dictator, all these things. What's the key for Donald Trump to succeed in the general election? Is it to stay on message and focus on the border, the economy, and not get distracted? Or should he double down and get, get in the trenches with those who attack him and push back? Well, I think he's at his best when he's talking about policy because he's got, uh, he's got a presidential record already, which none of the others do. Um, Biden has one already, and that's a catastrophe. So my best advice to him is stay focused on policy, on the economy, how he brought it back not once but twice, once from the depths of the Obama economic catastrophe, and then again from the crisis of COVID. So he will bring the U.S. economy back a third time, uh, focus on enforcing the border, focus on law and order, focus on delivering world peace, as he did the first time. We have four years of empirical evidence of Trump's presidency delivering booming economy, enforced border, and world peace, right? So all he has yeah. to do is point to that and say, here's how I'm going to do it a second or even a third time uh, going into 2025 once he's elected. Um, you know, he is Donald Trump, so expect some mudslinging. That's exactly right. But the other big thing, if I were he and his campaign, I'd be focused on state by state is election integrity, because if this election is clean, he wins in a landslide. But the left is very creative in rigging elections. And so we've got to stay on top of it and not just fight the last war of ballot harvesting and ballot curing, but really focused on whatever, anything new that the left has planned. Um, to try to pull the rug out from under him next week. So I would say focus on those things and then uh, do the hard work and pray. And uh, hopefully we will be back in office January of 25.
Yeah, I think a lot of people are cheering that moment should it happen. Uh, Monica, it's always a great honor. We always get such wisdom when we're with you. What's the best way for folks to follow you on Twitter and, of course, to get your incredible uh, podcast? Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it's the Monica Crowley podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, so Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Um, so please go and, and download that. Check it out. It's free. Subscribe, and you'll get new shows automatically. Um, and then in terms of social media, on Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I'm at Monica Crowley. So please go check me out there. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the best quick instant analysis I, I know anywhere in the world comes from your Twitter account. You do such great work, Monica. What a great honor to have you on. I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk before Christmas, but please have a Merry Christmas, and we'll get you back on before the uh, beginning of the new year. Such an honor and pleasure to join you as always, John, and I hope we will continue our annual um, tradition of having you on my podcast the first week of the year. I hope you'll join Count us. me in. I'm, I'm booking now. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Right. I look forward to that, John. Thank you. Thanks, Monica. Have a good one. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Ilya Shapiro, one of the great voices and thinkers at the Manhattan Institute, he wrote a very important column on where the line is between free speech and conduct when it comes to anti-Semitism. He'll have that next, right after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advice fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's donorstrust.org slash just news. All right, folks, welcome back to the commercial break. As you've seen some dramatic movement this weekend in the debate over anti-Semitism on college campuses, the head of University of Pennsylvania forced to resign over her inability to address anti-Semitism on campus and in the way she told Congress she was adjudicating it. A lot more happening on that front over the next few days. A lot of pressure building. Harvard's president also now facing some very serious questions, including also whether she was engaged in some form of plagiarism. Now, joining us right now is Ilya Shapiro. He's a senior fellow and director of constitutional studies at the Manhattan Institute. He wrote a brilliant op-ed the other day a lot of people still talking about it. Where free speech ends and law-breaking begins. It was in the free press. It was a fantastic article. Ilya, great to have you back on the show. Good to be with you. Yeah, that has gotten a lot of traction uh, as people still are trying to figure out the difference between speech and conduct, 
and in which ways speech can be regulated when, you know, there's a speaker in a room or classes being disrupted and whatnot. And it's, and it's really, believe me, not rocket science. I deal with a lot of complicated legal issues. These are not. Yeah, there is a pretty clear line, at least historically in the in the courts, and I think also just in practice, describe a little bit of where these university professors and faculty have gotten themselves in trouble, where, where they fail to see uh, the end of free speech and the beginning of conduct. Well, I, I think fundamentally they misunderstood the assignment. They behaved as this as if this was a deposition with lawyers asking them questions and they're trying to talk a lot without saying very much and trying to avoid lawsuits and other types of liability. Uh, but instead, this is a public hearing that was guaranteed to go viral and not necessarily the moment to get into legal nuance, although if they wanted to, and especially Liz McGill, Penn's president, who is a constitutional lawyer, could have said something like, uh, well, of course, calling for genocide of any group is against uh, our values, against the values of any institution of higher education. Uh, speech alone uh, is protected, uh, but uh, very quickly that can become harassment or vandalism or even assault. And those things uh, quite obviously are against our code of conduct. But she didn't say that. She just said, well, it depends on context and I need to know more. And it was just a failure of moral clarity, fundamentally a, a failure of leadership of, of presenting what the institution actually stands for. Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable moment. I think a lot of people were watching and saying, oh, my gosh, she totally dodged the question. And you could tell right away the Mr. Target audience the second that uh, that answer landed. Um, you could tell that Congress was was dissatisfied about it. So there are I think that you, you walk through a lot of really interesting uh, concepts. I want to start with um, uh, this phrase that has become very popular on the college campuses to chant. Actually, you, you sometimes hear it on the street, too. From the river to the sea, it's clearly a, a chant that uh, Hamas has over the years used to uh, say it would like to eradicate Israel, remove it from its land. At what point does that um, become hate speech, uh, when, it, when it's being uttered or when someone does something in conjunction with it? Well, the question isn't when it becomes hate speech, whatever that means. Hate speech, you know, offensive speech is, is protected right. uh, constitutionally. Right. Uh, even yelling from the river to the sea is constitutionally protected. Now, it becomes a problem when, uh, you know, if it's a, an exception to the First Amendment or to uh, a university speech policies. These are private schools, so they're not, not necessarily bound by the First Amendment, but their policies are, are quite protective of speech. The problem comes when it's directed at individual people, when it becomes the incitement of violence, and there's a pretty high bar, but that uh, may be reached in some circumstances. Or let's say that kind of rally is outside the Hillel, outside the, the Jewish center uh, on campus, or outside a dorm where some Jewish students are living. Something right. like that can be targeted harassment, which goes against uh, the code of, of conduct. Uh, and you can't just say that anywhere all the time, even if it's protected speech. Even if it's, you know, core political speech, you know, I can't go to your neighborhood in the middle of the night and with a bullhorn uh, tell you exactly what I think about Donald Trump and Joe Biden, even though that's, you know, protected political speech. There are what are called time, place and manner restrictions. And so that's where we get into speakers being shouted down or classes being disrupted, other university programs uh, being disrupted. All that is against the rules and it's not a constitutional violation to enforce those rules. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that's what that was the brilliance of this article. It really walked people through an, under, an understanding how how an episode changes depending how it's delivered, where it's delivered, and when it's delivered. That was a, it was such a great article. I know why I got so much attention. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the challenge that these elite universities have with um, diversity, and it's ironic because obviously a lot of them are DEI advocates. But when you look at uh, the faculty at Harvard, I think three quarters surveyed said they were either liberal or very liberal. Only two and a half percent identified as conservative in a country where we're 50 50. What are the dangers of having such a disproportionate uh, viewpoint in the faculty? Well, you create these isolated bubbles. And, and that was also part of the reason that the presidents got themselves in trouble uh, last week was they, they never talked to anyone who has 
different views or who doesn't use this weird academic speak uh, to discuss issues, or for that matter, who might oppose them. There's a lot of yes-men surrounding these powerful university presidents. But the, uh, the lack of intellectual diversity is a real problem, uh, particularly in areas of social science, particularly when you're uh, discussing controversial issues. Uh, and as we've seen, this is, again, another problem that the presidents ran into is the tremendous hypocrisy when they were trying to clean up their statements of being kind of mealy mouthed about whether calling for genocide is okay. They talked about, well, you know, we, we have this broad commend, uh, commitment to free speech. And that's why I was hesitant in saying that it's, it's not okay to say certain things, but that's the, that's the opposite lesson to draw. It's not that, okay, we need to tighten up the speech code to make sure more things aren't, aren't, uh, are against the rules. It's that, you know, on, on October 6th, before the Hamas attack, uh, if you were uh, uh, using the wrong pronoun or, or uttering some other so-called microaggression uh, as a student or faculty member, you'd be thrown in the hawk for, uh, for, you know, investigated for your wrong speak and your wrong think. And part of that is this very left-wing uh, echo chamber such that even liberal students and faculty members are afraid of misspeaking. And there's been a, a great chill uh, on campus. A large part of that uh, isn't even this story of the, the discrimination in hiring uh, such that uh, very few faculty members, as you said, are, are even kind of moderately uh, on the right, uh, but the growth of bureaucracies, and especially these DEI bureaucracies that are antithetical to the classical liberal mission of higher education to pursue open inquiry, uh, allow academic freedom and free speech, due process, all of these basic things that you know, uh, a Berkeley hippie from the 60s would have been protesting for. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's so funny. The liberals were on the other side of this debate a half century ago, and now today they often are on the other side. It's pretty remarkable. Oh, yeah, I want to take a look at the two professors who are, are the two uh, school university presidents who are most in hot water. Liz McGill, of course, she steps down. There was quite a few uh, moments in the last few days where you can kind of see that train moving. It's a little less clear what's going to happen to uh, the Harvard professor, but you can see, or the Harvard president, you can already see a lot of people distancing, distancing themselves from Claudine Gay, and now there's this additional uh, allegation out there of possible plagiarism or uh, that Chris Rufo and others have put out there. What do you think is her likely fate? Um, so, it's, it's a bit of a different story uh, than at Penn because McGill had been criticized for, for various things leading up to that testimony. So it was kind of a building thing. And uh, a month and a half ago, some significant donors and members of the, the Wharton Board of Overseers were critical and, and, and closing their pocketbooks for, for, for other things. So the testimony was really the straw that broke the camel's back. With Claudine Gay, um, uh, it's... Uh, uh, a little different. It's also that she's a, uh, the, the first black uh, president of Harvard. And so you have all these identitarian uh, uh, interests. The plagiarism, if she ends up going down, it could be that the plagiarism is what takes her down more than, you know, the board uh, of, at Harvard doesn't want to be seen to be giving Elise Stefanik a, a victory. And, right. and Claudine Gay already was known as having a, a fairly paltry scholarship record. Uh, she was known more for being a DEI administrator, frankly, and putting in new programs uh, to promote diversity uh, academically uh, and otherwise. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the Harvard board is having a continual emergency meeting now. I think something like 600 faculty members signed a letter in her support. Now, Harvard has thousands of faculty members, so it's nowhere near uh, even the majority. Uh, but it's going to be tough because fundamentally the job of a president isn't to teach in the classroom. It's to be a CEO and to represent the institution. Tremendous reputational hits that Harvard has taken may be very hard to uh, overcome to, to, to keep her in place. Yeah, that is, that is the key to watch. And I think that uh, the, it could be that the plagiarism thing is the out for the university, right? They'll just uh, focus on that rather than, um, the issues of anti-Semitism and elsewhere that have kind of bubbled up in the last few days. There was a, um, a moment over the weekend, Fried Zakaria, who we often see on CNN, who's obviously done a lot of great uh, foreign reporting over the years, 
he said something very simple that I think perhaps is really profound. At this moment, what people are grasping for, how do we fix this? How do we get universities back to what they're supposed to be? Fried Zakaria wrote this. I think you may have uh, retweeted it. But uh, America's top universities should abandon their long misadventure into politics, retrain their gaze on their core strengths, and rebuild their reputations of centers of research and learning. Uh, is that the prescription here? Is that what most Americans are asking of these universities right now? That's absolutely right. And I was heartened to see Fareed say that, you know, he's on the center left. Uh, it's not just yeah. conservatives banging this drum. And indeed, uh, not just uh, Jewish people who have had uh, their eyes opened uh, to some of these pathologies in higher uh, education. You know, even uh, Larry Tribe uh, at Harvard Law School, with whom I agree on sure. very little, but he was critical of Claudine Gay. So uh, there, there, there's a greater and growing recognition outside the fever swamps of sort of the, the very radical uh, uh, left-wing progressive activists uh, that something is wrong and something needs to be done. And um, uh, as I said, one of, the, one of the biggest stories, one of the biggest reasons why this is different uh, than what was going on you know, when I was in college 25 years ago or in law school 20 years ago, uh, it's not even so much the, the ideological ratio of the faculty or the students but the, the growth and weight of the non-teaching staff, the bureaucracy, which in, in many of these schools, and certainly these elite schools, there are now uh, more non-teaching staff than, than professors. And that changes the culture of an institution, reorienting yeah, it, it away from, uh, from teaching and scholarship and towards uh, indoctrination and activism. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it is a real, uh, the, the growth of that sort of non-teaching faculty is, I think, one of the uh, the moments that has really transformed the university landscape in such a profound way. There's another element of this, and you have done so much great work on this, as has all uh, all of your colleagues. Uh, there is a growing, uh, uh, I would say, hijacking of the uh, that uh, of the long-held notion that America is a land of uh, equality. We've gone from equal opportunity to equal outcome, that this equity movement now is designed to, regardless of your skill, regardless of your effort, regardless of uh, what choices and paths you make, that somehow we're all entitled to end up in the same place. Describe how that has gotten so deeply ingrained into the universities and how it kind of affects so many of the other debates uh, on college campuses that flow from it. Well, it's kind of the, the revenge of critical theory. Um, uh, critical race theory gets a lot of attention, but it's not just racial issues. It's a, it's a postmodern philosophy originated in Germany and Austria uh, in the 30s and 40s, and then those exiles uh, during the war brought it to Colombia and elsewhere. The crits, as they were known in uh, the 70s and 80s, where there's no objective truth, everything is viewed through a lens of who has greater privilege, the oppressor and oppressed class, intersectionality where different identities overlap uh, as you're analyzing who is the underprivileged voice and, and things like this. Uh, and, and that has led to um, uh, weighing of speech, not based on everyone having the freedom to do it, but those who belong to groups that are traditionally underrepresented or are, have been quote unquote silenced, uh, uh, their speech is worth more. And all, all of these you know, politicized uh, understandings that uh, reject the classical liberal enlightenment values of uh, whether it's free speech or due process or indeed equal opportunity um, uh, that, uh, you know, those who have certain talents or skills need to be hobbled in a certain sense. Kurt Vonnegut had a great short story, Harrison Bergeron to that effect. Uh, but it's, sure. it's, it's not, it's not equality of opportunity. It's not treating everyone equally or being colorblind. In fact, those phrases that I just used uh, are, are thought of as being evidence of white supremacy somehow uh, under the uh, theories, these, these perverse uh, ideologies, again, that are, uh, that, that are implemented by these bureaucracies and starting from uh, you know, orientation for fresh, incoming freshmen. Yeah, so remarkable. Elliot, you do such great work. You testified before Congress. You've written some great books. Uh, 
your book on Supreme Disorder, really how the judicial nomination process had been corrupted, is really a classic. And I think anyone who wants to understand dysfunction in Washington has to read that. But you've got a new book coming out in 2024. I think a lot of people will be excited about it because it touches on this topic and so much more. Canceling Justice, the Illiberal Takeover of Legal Education. Talk a little bit about what that is going to divulge for the American public. Well, it's, it's what we've been talking about here with a focus on legal education in law schools, which are a particularly dangerous area for this to happen because, after all, lawyers are the gatekeepers of our political and legal uh, institutions. And short of medical schools, where there's a lot of alarming stuff and it's literally a life and death situation, um, uh, you know, the, the, all of these perverse theories hitting law schools uh, is really you know, much more dangerous than uh, if, if we just think about you know, English departments or sociology departments or what have you. Uh, but this book, Canceling Justice, is going to be, I don't have a pre-order quite yet. It's in the final stages of editing. Uh, it'll be out probably uh, late summer, early fall, uh, and I'll be doing lots of media around that. I also have a Substack, Shapiro's Gavel, where I write yeah. about these issues and uh, judicial politics, the Supreme Court, uh, lots of uh, interesting, interesting things going on. Well, you absolutely do. You are one of America's most cogent voices, and I think a voice of common sense in an era where so much of America seems to be in dire need of common sense. Elliot, what a great opportunity to have you on today. Thanks for getting, making some sense of all the stuff going in the universities. We'll be certain to get you back on after the first of the year. Great. My, my pleasure. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, and take care. Thank you, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. 
All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. Thank you for joining. Thank you for being a part of our show. We're always so grateful for your support. And of course, go check out the holiday page at justthenews.com. You'll get some great gifts and huge discounts from Muzzle Stick to Enviro Cleanse and so many other Super Beats and, of course, Field of Greens. So many great products there. Go check it out today. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States as he always has. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews.